With your games, facets army is what to keep in mind. What you've seen is really real, and it truly is a big deal. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Googly Bear Senior Podcast, which is me, Elizabeth, where we talk about is the is it all just a game, the world versus gaming, and what would the environment look like if the game was real in real life and what would the effects be so we have covered so far first person shooters we've talked about mmos mmorpgs and now i want to talk about a new category described as a hero shooter now this first person hero shooter is near to near and dear to my heart i used to play this game so much like eight hours a day and still suck at it i'm also involved in the esports area of this game and i for those who know me you might know what it is but we are going to be talking about the game overwatch today now overwatch was made in 2016 and is developed by blizzard entertainment Um, it assigns players to two teams of six with each player selecting from a large roster of characters known as heroes and each have unique abilities the teams basically work together to complete map specific objectives within a limited period of time now if not already said before the game has over at the beta release 10 million players and to me i think that is freaking astounding it has been acclaimed by critics and it has been praised for the accessibility of the game of its hero characters its art style and how fun it is to play now almost four years later it has over 50 million players and it is considered to be one of the greatest video games of all time receiving so many awards it's also popular in the esports community um, from blizzard's funding and producing the global overwatch league as well So the players can choose from over two dozen pre-made characters, either from damage, support, or tank. The damage is kind of self-explanatory and deal the most damage to attack or defend the control points or the mission, whereas tanks absorb all that damage and support heroes provide healing or other buffs to the teammates. And each skill kit is unique from these heroes that help the other players out from active and passive skills um, but are all on a, what's it called? Um, they're, no, the, the, um, <laughs> there's, you gotta wait to use the ability pretty much. And you can change your hero during the match, um, anytime, as long as you are in the place where you choose your hero, um, and you do the mission. Pretty much, Overwatch design and its game design was to encourage a dynamic team comp to adapt to the situation, so there's not always one right answer to either win or lose. So we kind of went over the basics of the characters, and now we can talk a little bit more about the game modes that you might be playing. Assault is the first one we are going to talk about, given we're only going to kind of talk about and um, go in depth with the four most common game modes um, that you focus on within playing in quick play. There's other game modes like arcade and competitive, but we are only going to focus on the quick play and competitive ones. The first game mode is assault, which is pretty much when you attack the team, you must take two capture points while the defending team prevents them until the time runs out. When the first capture point is captured, the timer will increase and both team's spawning locations will move. Overtime will be triggered if the time runs out, but someone is still on the point. 
um, and it will continue for as long as one person is on the point of the attacking team. Each capture point is divided into three segments, representing at a percentage checkpoint, so 33, 63, or 66, and then um, it should be 99, but it goes to 100. The next one we want to talk about is Control, which is a game mode and two teams fight over the capture point in the best of three format, so kind of similar to Assault. While a team is controlling the capture point, they will make progress towards the 100% completion. Whichever team reaches 100% wins the first round. Overtime will be triggered if one place has reached 99% and is being contested by the other team as long as they're on the point, similar to the Assault. They don't have a time limit, unlike Assault, though. Um, all three rounds are located in the same location, with each round located in a different area of the map and featuring a new capture point. So they stay on the same map, just a different area, if that was kind of confusing. Um, more teammates in a capture point will increase the capture speed with a cap of three. So the more people you have on it out of your team of six, the faster it will cap it. A fourth teammate will have no effect on the capture speed, though, however. So by all means, we could all chill on the capture point. But I mean, after three of us are on there, then it's you, you just kind of hang out and emote at this point. The next one is going to be Escort, which is a game mode an attacking team must escort the payload to a delivery point while the defending team attempts to prevent them until the time runs out. Each map has between a two to three checkpoints between the starting position and a delivery point when it is reached will increase the timer and move both team spawning locations. Overtime will be triggered if one time the timer runs out and the payload is being contested by the attacking team for as long as you're near the payload. And these are one of my favorite maps. I think that there's the most type of um, team diversity. There's a lot more strategy to it. Um, whereas you, instead of just like running towards the point and just hoping you'll get picks. Um, so if you hear, capture the payload, defend the payload, uh, someone's on the payload, the payload's moving, someone's back capping. And th those are some common terms that you might hear when you play these game modes. And the last one is the hybrid um, version, which is a game mode that starts with an assault capture point and continues with an escort objectives. These sections behave exactly as their standalone games. So There's just like a little twist that Blizzard decided to put in there. I know we, um, or I said that I wasn't going to talk about um, the other game modes, but if you wanted to know, or at least look into them yourself, there's some that are like Capture the Flag, Deathmatch, Elimination, and then there's also seasonal game modes throughout the year, which could refer to some of the lore, it could really dive into some other character development, um, or it can just be fun and kind of have Blizzard's own take on games like Lucia Ball, and it reminds me of Rocket League. And speaking of lore, now we're going to get into the little bit of heavier stuff regarding the game of Overwatch. It's not just a point and shoot thing. There is a story to it. The game doesn't make it super clear and you kind of have to do the research yourself. But now I'm going to tell you the bare bones step of to just get you interested in the game. We ready? We're going to take a breath. Did you drink your water? And let's go. Overwatch is set to 60 years into the future of a fictionalized Earth, so like a place we're living in, 30 years after the resolution. It is known as the Omnic Crisis. Now, before this crisis happened, we've all been happy, like dandy golden, and everyone was getting along. But we still decided to go into our technological advancements and create robots that have AI called Omnics. And they were used to help keep the peace of the world, like economic equality, and be treated as people in their own right because they act so human. Now, the crisis, the Omnic crisis, began a crisis when the worldwide automated Omnium facilities that produced them started producing a series of lethal hostile robots for war that attacked humankind. 
So, even there was global peace, individual countries responded with various programs, like the U.S. doing the soldier enhancement program to produce fighters to fight against these robots, or Germany assembled the nightlight crusaders. While these efforts failed to stop the fighting robots, the United Nations, we all decided, yo, we have to do this together, quickly formed Overwatch, da, 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 which is an international task force combining these individual programs to fight and combat these threatening robots. So we have literally the background of the game of why it is called what it is. And so now we're going to start maybe diving and taking a little dabble into some characters that will are really, really common in this game. There were two veteran soldiers from the Soldier Enhancement Program of the United States that were put in charge of Overwatch that the United Nations decided to form. Um, and those two people are Gabriel Reyes and Jack Morrison. So they had a bunch of really skilled people that were ready to fight these robots. And Morrison was the leader of the Overwatch while Ray was giving charge of Blackwatch, which was the covert operations division, fighting terrorist organizations like Talon, um, which are trying to practically start a second Omnic crisis and destroy the humans. Overwatch continued to maintain the peace across the world for decades in what came to be called the Overwatch Generation. And the team gained more members, but Morrison and Reyes decided to like knock it along. From either failures of the mission or just having the disingenuous feelings between Morrison and Reyes, uh, the public wasn't happy pretty much about the organization and it prompted the UN to investigate Overwatch and see if it was a good idea. Um, they decided, no, this is a terrible idea. Why did we start this in the first place? And pretty much um, the Overwatch headquarters in Switzerland decided to try and kill physically this team. After the literal attempted murder that was legal, question mark, um, the UN passed the Petras Act, which dismantled Overwatch and forbade any Overwatch type of activity. Now, the game that we're actually playing and looking at is set six years after the Petras Act, where Overwatch was dismantled and people were quote-unquote killed. Without Overwatch, corporations have started to take over, fighting terrorism, and broken out in parts of the globe, and there are signs of a second Omnic crisis where robots try and kill humans occurring in Russia. But there's a really intelligent monkey that we sent upstairs, up in space to go do research named Winston that has said, you know, we should, we should get Overwatch back together and let's protect it once again. And so this is all secret, secret, um, recruiting old friends and getting new allies for the new fight. And then we reveal that either Ray's and Morrison both weren't killed from the literal attempted murder and Morrison became a mass vigilante known as Soldier 76 da, 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 who was trying to uncover why Overwatch was shut down and why they hated them so much while Reyes joined Talon and became the Reaper a terrorist disguised as death um so he is now starting a second Omnic crisis so now we kind of noticed yes this is set in real life there are people there are robots there are talking monkeys. There are things that we might not know yet, but it does happen all around the world. These game modes include countries and continents even, uh, like France, Germany, Japan, the United States, Antarctica, Spain, Italy, United Kingdom, China, Africa, Iraq, Southern Jordan, Egypt, Greece, Cuba, and Thailand. And they have all characters um, all body types, all sizes, 
all professions that are so amazing and diverse in the game itself. So, like I said, Overwatch has a near and dear place in my heart. It was the first PC game that was I actually interested in seeing a real gaming PC. Um, and so, this is the start to how I got to hang out with all you cool people. Um, this is the quick ramble, I guess. Um, I've been playing Overwatch since about 20... 16, that was my very first game, but I didn't really start regularly playing it until I want to say 2018, 2019, um, where I have started quick play on my little baby gaming PC laptop, and um, I wanted to be a support main um, for Zenyatta, um, but I decided that tank was more up my alley, so I am a tank queen, and I've been playing tank queen ever since. Um, I don't have very many hours on damage at all so um i kind of swap between tank and support because of those, those are my two comfy roles um but i do have some favorite characters and i'm excited to talk about them because they really do fit well um with the information we are going to discuss of what would the world look like in real life and um i have cosplayed a couple too as well the first thing i want to talk to in real life or talk about is the basic Omnic crisis to why Overwatch even exists. And I couldn't really stop thinking about the amount of robots that even if they were killed, what are they going to do just sitting there? We put, we put so much work building into them, put so much resource, so much labor, so much time, so much space into building these robots that we ended up murdering. And then we decided, yeah, let, let's do it all over again. Like humans can't make any decision. Let's have AI just withhold the Earth world now, and um, that's that's what they're gonna do. And my first thought was, uh, okay, um, so they'll have the same problem as us. They're gonna run out of resources. They're gonna run out of population, and then we're all gonna die. Um, but I had to kind of get out of that hole, get out of that spiral, and jump back into the human perspective of. There's so much technological waste. We had so much in put into this creation. Now what happens to it? So this is where we kind of get into the nitty gritty nerdy shit. E-waste is referred as the most fastest growing solid waste stream. Since 2000s, e-waste has grown to a 20 million to 50 million tons of waste per year. And under a baseline scenario, the amount of e-waste is more than double by 2050. It's reached approximately 100 million tons per year, and that's not even before the climate change crisis has officially been set. From even just the size of your technology, there is more to an impact instead of reusing them that we may have not thought of yet. From having our devices just sit there, they can contain toxic components that are dangerous to human health such as mercury, lead, cadmium, polybromated flame retardants, barium, and lithium. And the effects that they can have on our human bodies, pretty much, are include the brain, heart, liver, kidney, and skeletal system. It can also affect the nervous system, reproductive systems, and lead to disease and birth effects. So yes, the omnic crisis did just hurt us. The second omnic crisis can hurt us and it could also hurt more of the environment and now we're going to kind of learn about how technology of that is now e-waste will affect that 
So we don't know how to properly handle our e-waste just as a basic consumer. So you could smash it, you could shred it, maybe melt it, but all those particles um, are could now be considered dioxins, which cause air pollution and damage to the respiratory health. So it's, it already hurts us. Um, if you end up burning it, because a lot of people like to burn their waste, um, and maybe recover something like copper, um, chronic diseases and cancers are now at a higher risk when you burn your waste because it creates even a finer particle that can travel thousands of miles, creating numerous health effects to humans and animals. Um, so what we learned in the last podcast is that our technology has high value materials such as gold and silver, um, and they're often removed. Um, but it still releases film fumes in areas where recycling is not regulated properly and your recycling center can't handle it. So there is negative effects put on our air and because we can't properly recycle these things and the pollution can extend thousands of miles away from the recycling sites or the landfills. The next thing I want to talk about is water. Um, so the particles have traveled miles and miles and miles. Um, the technology is now physically dismantled um, or even chemically and all those particles and water pieces whatever go in, can go into the water and can go into the soil and th the, it might go into our water supply or well it will um, and go into our food um, that we may be working towards and nearby and so when the water is contaminated the soil is contaminated of now heavy metals which can cause further illnesses and now the farmland can't be as productive as we wanted it to be. I also very do apologize for some reason that I'm so nervous um, and I don't understand why. The last part I want to talk about is soil. So when we burn and shred this e-waste um, it now gets deposited into the soil because it came from the air and now, due to their size and weight, has to fall somewhere and doesn't fall on us, falls on the soil. So if the contaminated soil is, exists and we're trying to use it, it changes anything of the soil temperature, the soil type, the pH levels, and soil compositions. And they'll sit there for long periods of time and can be harmful to the microorganisms in the soil and plants and pretty much Anything that lives in that area or tries to use that area um, will rely on that survival and end up consuming it and cause further internal health problems. But there are things that we are working towards to stop having our e-waste be um, either used improperly um, or disposed of properly. The first thing you can do is fix your appliances. You do not have to throw it away and go get a new one. This helps um, work towards the circular economic model, which is restorative or regenerative intention by design. It replaces the end-of-life concept in restoration and shifts towards using the use of renewable energy, um, stop using toxic chemicals in our products, and aims for elimination of waste through the superior design of materials, products, systems, and business models. And although I haven't seen any type of technology like this in the game, not all robots are bad. Well, regarding the Earth anyways. There are two spider-like 300-pound robots that, instead of having humans do it, sort through an unending line of trash. The leg relies on computer vision to detect recyclables, plucks a hunk of blue plastic off a conveyor belt, while the other grabs a piece of an old water bottle. 
The machine then places those bits into sorting bins using a vacuum gripper. So they will sort through all of our trash, um, do the jobs that we don't want to do, but still contribute lovingly to the environment. And hopefully as these um, robots and this technology is pushed further, we'll already be a place in a better circular economic model where we know how to dispose of these robots if um, they have to be properly. So I've talked about what Overwatch is, what's the gameplay, what are the modes, and what is e-waste doing in our life, but I kind of want to bring it back to the game itself, and this is one of my favorite characters in the game, and her name is May. When you first click on her in most of the game maps, her first voice line is, our world is worth fighting for. And she is a female who is determined to protect the earth. And her backstory is super cool. May is a world-renowned climatologist who has taken the fight to preserve the environment into her own hands. She specializes in the study of abnormal climate change phenomena and their effects on different ecosystems around the world. She strongly believes in preserving the world for future generations, like I do, and is determined to fight for a better future. In her lore, we learn a little bit more about her. Um, she... <laughs> She's so cute. Oh my god. Um, she's kind of a nerdy girl. Um, she really loves who she is. She's very um, set in who she is. Um, she thinks that she's really boring because she's very sciencey, um, and I kind of think the same about myself. Um, and she is very wholesome. <laughs> Through her research, unexplained climate change has been happening and she's seen it happening when more technology is produced and increases the consumption of resources, which she still doesn't exactly know why humans are doing building this in the first place. And to find a solution, she joined Overwatch um, to go to these research stations like the Antarctic um and research so although this is like goals to me um her story is not goals itself basically while she was doing her research um she started running out of resources and a really huge giant ice storm came and hit the antarctic base um so they decided to all go into a basic cryo freeze um to survive until someone came back to save her um and all the sensors running they left the lab running just to see what they would find when may woke up like five to nine years later climate issues have worsened um the place is completely trashed all her friends have died but she still decided to work on her own um and fight for climate change and continue to do more research she pretty much saved herself. She, like, reestablished this, like, technological satellite. And then she decided to travel around the world and track down the causes of threats to the planet's ecosystem. And one thing I really like about what Overwatch did, especially in their game design, they made May of a more um, normal hero. Um, that she's, she doesn't look, like, super buff, like, nothing's, like, really changed on her, um, to show that anyone can rise to be a hero, and, like, they joke about how her superpower, other than her gun that she made herself from using the resource of air, um, is being optimistic in the face of overwhelming odds. 
Now, because May is so wholesome and so wonderful, and she talks about climate change, and her whole fight is literally about climate change, I want to talk about two really last quick issues that are happening currently around the world. Since May was found on the Arctic and Antarctic continents, um, right now they are the hottest they have ever been. And they have risen 38.6 degrees Celsius from its first recording in 1981. Science has proven that these have been warming due to carbon emissions made from everyone around the world, because that is exactly where our radiation goes, is it absorbed up, out, and it goes to the top and bottom of our world. Because this is all melting, it is a giant threat to really everybody. So first of all, it's melting, which means the ice is melting, which means that water has to go somewhere, which could also mean more humidity in the atmosphere, more rain, more precipitation, and the people who live there, um, their land is disappearing. And now um, the Arctic and the Antarctic don't have the ability they can absorb the dangerous radiation that the sun is giving us off and it's reflecting it to actually make the world warmer. Um, and for those who don't know, that is called the albedo effect. And even countries of possible concern are now taking that as a opportunity to go find more resources. But really, as they are doing that, they are releasing amount, huge amounts of stored carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere, really contributing more to the warming, the melting, the warming again, and the melting, um, and really um, putting steps back of attempts to collect to cut our global emissions um, and stopping this from happening. And let me just put all thoughts at ease here. Um, doing research at these locations is not the issue, it's the amount of resources they're consuming. Um, there are studies that um, if any human interaction were to be in the area, the environmental impact that we have is between two to 19%, depending on what environmental indicator you're looking at regarding any type of human intervention regarding the Arctic and Antarctic sectors. But if we continue to not do anything, 70% um, of the Arctic and Antarctic infrastructure will be affected by the year of 2050, as well as ecosystems, indigenous communities, food and water security, economies, and defense assets in North America, the European Arctic, and Russia alike. And I do have to think that we wouldn't know any of this besides the scientists in 1985 by the British Antarctic Survey, where they decided to do what exactly what May did and go down to Antarctica and study. And they realized that there was a hole in the ozone layer where this discussion could even have started. And they, they were the ones that were like, oh my God, we're doing something. The humans have an impact on the place we are living and we need to find more and we need to do something about it. And even without them, a character like May, a normal person that may have not be able to think that they had any power, that anyone who rides to be a hero by even just changing a small part of what they do and how they live their life. So although the world has not been taken over by robots just yet, even though we have them all in our homes, like our Echo Dots and our um, Google Chrome Circle speaky voice things in our series, um, and our other things, <laughs> um, they're, everything exists. They're not going to kill us, even though Overwatch, they're trying to make it happen. Um, <laughs> but we do have the ability to do something about it. And that is one thing that the game has proven, regardless of all your, 
well, because of all your unique abilities, you have something you can do. And even if it involves climate change or even something really small, like making someone smile, you can do good in this world. And I think that is so amazing. And only you can do it your way and do something dope. Since playing this game, the world has not only taught me, but has made me work so much harder within my climate research and has even inspired me to start this podcast myself of um, how do video games affect me. Um, and it has just made me want to do better for the environment. It's made me want to do so much more than I thought I could do. Um, like talk to really important people about important issues, work on my communication skills. It's insane what video games can have an impact on you. And in this case of Overwatch, thank you, Blizzard, um, to make something that has such a good impact. And they do such a wonderful job showing it. So I want to thank you, friends, for listening. I want to thank you, friends, for sticking around. Um, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, there are behind-the-scenes actions in the works to having more guests on there. Um, we're also going to look into more old-school reading content um, through suggestions. But this one, uh, this one is just a good. This one just makes my heart full. Um, <laughs> maybe we can play sometime. Um, for those who don't know, I stream. Um, I have a command for it, but I hope that you like, share, subscribe, um, leave your suggestions and comments down below, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope you have a little bit of hope after this conversation that you can do something, and you can do something positive, and I'll change the world regardless of how small or big the action is. So with that, I appreciate you, I thank you, and I hope you have a wonderful day. See you next week, friends. And now, just because I want to say it, did Googly talk? Yes, she did. With your games, facets are is what to keep in mind. What you've seen is really real, and it truly is a big deal.